Hello and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where we talk about issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, farming, issues that you are dealing with every day in your enterprise because you are an agricultural professional. If you joined us because you want something that you can take home, you're going to get it today. Today's topic is the family and the farm. You got that? We're talking about the family and the farm. You've read the stats, 97% of all farms are family enterprises, and then our detractors, oh no, they're, they're factory farms, or that corporate agriculture. Yeah, you know what, the dry cleaners down the street is also set up as a corporation egghead. It does not mean that we're somehow all out here controlled by Google uh, on our farming operation. They might be set up as an LLC, they might be set up as a S-Corp, whatever they are, they are generally family operations. Unlike a lot of other businesses, Agriculture has more family involvement. Our guest today is going to be really probably some of the best information you're going to get on this topic because she is a speaker and a family biz consultant. We're going to delve into topics like what happens when death, divorce, dispute, default change the operation at home. We know these things happen. So what are we going to do about that? And it's not just a farming operation. It could be the equipment dealership, it could be the fertilizer plant, it could be just about anything that is owned because in agriculture, lots of agribusiness ownership is through the family. We're going to discuss the three aspects of the family agricultural operation, the personal, the professional, and the legal. Did you hear me, listeners? The personal, the professional, and the legal. Guess which one causes the greatest strife? Ding, 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 if you said personal. Jolene Brown is a speaker and family business consultant. She is a real-life farmer Brown. She is a farm owner. Her and her husband own and operate a farm operation in East Central Iowa. I know Jolene because I met her years ago on the circuit. She and I cover much of the same territory. She and I have been to the Ramcota and Sioux Falls more than any two humans put together that you'll ever talk to in the same podcast, I assure you, because she and I speak to and about the business of agriculture. Jolene, thank you for joining me on this podcast. Thank you, Damon. Um, all right, so I described you. Is there anything I missed here? Nope, just that I've been at this for a while, um, not just for our grassroots farmers, growers, and ranchers, but you and I work with the cooperatives, the corporations, and the associations that serve us. And what I know is we are so, so good at production and agriculture. The listeners that you're going to have here are so darn good at weeds and seeds and breeds and feeds and money, machinery, and marketing, but it's the people that do all of that work. And when you emphasize the three things that cause the problem, you are right when you said it's the people that bring us the biggest joy or the most pain when it comes to both building the business, making it worthy of transitioning, and then getting the work done so the integrity of a business can continue. Yeah, and we're, okay, before we even get into the first topic, I just wanted to say, what will the audience get from this podcast? I think you just laid it out right there. You know, you're, you're smart. You've been around this a long time. You work with family, farm, and ag business uh, ownerships. They're going to mostly walk away from this saying, wow, these people know me. My situation isn't unique here. Because that's what a lot of folks do. Like, yeah. well, nobody understands. Well, dad started this and then got remarried. And, and now I'm in this situation where I'm working and I don't own anything. Everybody thinks their screwed up situation in their professional uh 
capacity within the family farm or agricultural enterprise is unique only to them. And it really is something you see all the time. Am I right? Well, I've been at over 400 kitchen tables and family business boardrooms, and um, they're from farming operations just like yours and mine, where we are trying to work with other people. We want a business to continue. We want it to be successful, but we don't do the work to make it get done. We, again, revert to the easy route, which is production. Now, production is critically important, but don't forget it's the people that do the production. So my specialty is focused on the human side of the business. Yeah, that's the, the thing. You say it so well, just, you know, and we both speak to agriculture. I say all the time, man, you don't need to convince me that you're great at production. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we can see that. We're throwing three and three pounds and eight ounces, you know, three and 3.7 pounds per day on a steer in a feed yard in Nebraska. And we're, we're cranking out broilers in 43 days and we can get 220 bushel uh, corn out of that field where just... You know, 40 years ago, it was 150. I get the production, and that is what we're amazing at. But we're not very good at the personal, sometimes the legal, and sometimes setting up the professional. So let's go into the personal stuff. Ag's different because I think a lot of businesses that you and I see, uh, okay, car dealerships, yeah, there's some family ownership there. You, know, you just drive down Main Street. Banks, less and less of that because uh, of the conglomeration and, and whatnot. But we're seeing, you know, more of this still in agriculture where it's still a family enterprise. That's what makes us different. Uh, there's this also a legacy, a tradition, an expectation that, you know, the son is going to take over or the daughter, whatever it is. But this is your, your entire consulting business is needed. And it's always because of the emotions that humans are emotionally driven beasts. They're not logically driven beasts. Tell me some horror stories. Tell us some success stories. Well, first of all, when I come and work with them, I bring the most important tools that we need in a family business. And that is I bring a mirror, a box of tissues, a roll of duct tape, and a two by four board. And I will use them all. Because the first thing I'm going to hear is, well, you've been sleeping under my bed. And of course, that's highly entertaining, but you were right. It's not just their story. It's the lessons we can learn from people like them. And so I bring the mirror because people want me to come in order to fix someone else. You know, if dad would just give up power, if mom would just say what's on her mind, if the kids just had a work ethic, if he just hadn't married her, we'd be okay. Mm -hmm. And so we want to fix somebody else. But I have to start with the mirror for two things. Those who are at the table and have the power to do the work. And the second thing, we have to start with where we are at today. I cannot go back to grab this will or what an aunt or uncle said to you or what a cousin is expecting. We have to start with reality of today. And I don't let them go backwards. I'm really very strong because I do not mediate, I dictate. Okay, so I bring a mirror. Yeah, because what you're saying, Jolene, is these folks are sitting there and you've heard it at 400 tables. It's always the same story like, well, if grandpa would have done this or if that SOB uh, brother-in-law hadn't have done that and like you said, those things happened a year, three years, six years ago. Here we are today. Boom. Mm -hmm. uh, brilliant. Go ahead. I have to have the mirror. And then I have to have the tissues because there will be emotion, Damien. There's going to be anger or fear or silence or tears or worry. And I've learned that when emotion and logic collide, emotion wins. So I have to get that emotion up and on the table. And then I bring the duct tape. Not because I want them to listen, although that's helpful. I have to tape them to their chairs because they want to see their peace and get up and leave or their feelings are hurt and they want to leave. No, if you bring me in, you've got to stay there and be present because absence means consensus. If you choose to walk out, I get to vote however I want to and you're going to agree with me. 
And so I, I, I work very differently. And then I bring the two by four because sometimes there's no other way. You just got to let them have it. And as a fellow from Canada said to me last week after I worked with them, gosh, Jolene, you know more about our business than we do. I said, well, whose fault is that? Uh -huh. No, that's a two by four moment here. So I'm very real in what I do. Well, and, and I, I know that sometimes it's painful, but the point is, in general, we, we work with people that are some of the hardest working folks on earth and they'll go out there and they will, I say this all the time, I'm 48 years old. I always was more business-y. I saw my parents, I saw the, everybody I worked with, you know, growing up and I was out there taking care of the freestall barn or feeding the calves as a kid. Agriculture people, they'll put in the 14 hours. By God, they'll put in the 14 hours and they'll, they'll work, 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 work. But then what I say is the overtime work, which is the easy part of actually then managing the business, they won't do that. And, and it's always an excuse. And you're like, yeah, the excuse is you just don't want to tackle this. Don't tell me you were too busy. Mm -hmm. If there had been two more hours of, uh, <laughs> of hay to make, you'd have been out there for those two hours. So this is two hours of actually sitting down and handling this, which starts to bleed us into the professional part of this. But before we get into that, I asked you about horror stories, success stories. On a personal yeah. level, on a personal yeah. level, what? One of the saddest horror stories was, um, well, first I'll say, if the first time the family ever gets together is at the reading of the will, I know I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised how many times that happens because farmers lie. They do, people in family business lie. They say, work hard someday, this will all be yours, or I'm going to retire. Or they say, oh, you don't have to worry about your brothers and sisters. They have their jobs. They're not interested in the business. Now, that's true until you're dead. Mm -hmm. Even in the best of intentions, the best of conversations, if things are not in writing, things do not exist. So Don and Judy had taken very good care of dad. Mom died earlier. Dad was still in the home place. They brought them to their house for one home-cooked meal every day. They personally paid for groceries, so we had easy fixings. When the school bus stopped, grandkids stopped at grandpa's house, and they all got off the bus, cheered him on, and then mom and dad picked him up and brought him home to do their chores and homework. And time and time and again, Dad had said, I don't know how you do this, John and Judy. you got four kids. You're running all around the country. They're into 4-H and band and music and stuff. And then, man, it's been a rough year out there. And, man, it's so cold out there. How you keep the waters going? They said, Dad said, you know, work, you work so hard someday. This will all be yours. And he did that time and time again. And Dad dies. At the reading of the will is Judy and Don and Don's two sisters. And dad had a phrase in his will that gives me nightmares. It's called equal shares per sturbies. We divide it equally among the named heirs. And the two sisters said, wow, we weren't expecting that. Gosh, that's quite a gift. How long have you been working with dad? Oh, 47 years. Wow. You've really built up quite a business. We'll take our cash yesterday. <laughs> now, I'm not done yet. Don knew there's no way he could come up with two-thirds of the appraised cash value of that business. Sure. And as he walked out of the attorney's office, Don, that son, had a heart attack on his father's attorney's office step the day his father's will was read and my phone rang. Okay. These are conversations. A conversation is not a contract. And so we have those kinds of horror stories, but we have the success stories. Those who are willing to be, I often refer to them as the third pig in the three little pigs. They will put in one brick at a time to make sure that we have wills and powers of attorney, buy-sell agreement, conflict management, management people. These are the tools that I teach. And then they put the mortar in between because we must have attorneys, accountants, and financial planners involved. 
This is not a process you can walk alone, regardless of the size of your family business or the age of the people involved. Jolene, you, uh, first off, I, and I wasn't laughing because uh, that Don had a heart attack. I didn't even know it was coming. I laughed because I see this myself and I don't do what you do, but I am around ag. I speak to ag and everybody has this story that, oh, and so, so the farm that I bought where I live with my wife much of the year and when I'm not in Arizona or on a road or on an airplane, um, uh, a person called an attorney's office and um, disputed our purchase of it after we had already taken possession of it because he was told allegedly by the farm owner that I bought off of, and I bought off of the estate, that when it ever sold, he was going to get the first right to buy it. Yeah. I, of course, knew nothing about this. None of this was anywhere recorded. So whether that had happened or not, I don't doubt that the people that we bought off of said that 20 years ago. But it just goes to show exactly what you're saying. I know these things. Again, again, I see them. I've got a good friend in Wyoming that keeps telling me, Grandpa put stuff in my name. Grandpa says he's put this in my name. I was like, what does that mean? Put something in your name. Do you have some, did you get some legal documents that state that you've been given something? Well, no, but he said, put it in my name. I said, bull, there's no way that has happened. You're being used like a tool so that you'll still be Grandpa's hired man. And even if Grandpa has good intentions, uh, he's, he's still screwing over the, the air in that regard, which brings us to the professional part of this, Jolene. Okay, we talked about the personal parts because we know you said people lie. The best thing you said, a conversation is not a contract. A conversation is not a contract, which brings us to the professional part of this. And this is before we get to the legal part. What are these families' businesses, these family agricultural enterprises, what are they doing wrong? I think they're not setting up a professional pass off and a professional management the way a small company would be forced to do. I'm all about making sure that you do the business right. If you don't take care of the business, you're going to lose both the business and the family. And I am adamant about making sure we've got tools in place when the times are good, not when the times get tough. So this is all part of building that good business worthy of transitioning. And the neat thing here, Damien, is if we can get them started with just one tool, for example, a way to deal with conflict at the mosquito bite level so that we're not fighting with pitchforks in the dairy barn, because I walked in on that. Mm -hmm. If we can get these tools in place, they go, oh, that wasn't so hard, and then they'll do the next one. But I want you to know none of this means anything unless we have leaders and owners willing to model this and be held to account to the, by themselves. This is where we have to have advisory councils. This is where you have to have good attorneys and accountants. You have to have a family business person to make sure you stay on the right page. And my biggest challenge, Damien, when I work with a family is to assess if there is goodwill. And to me, that means they're willing to work toward a common goal. Well, what is it? What are we going to do? Why are we in business? What do we want to do? The second thing is you're willing to help the other person succeed in their job, not just your job, but if you are interdependent, not independent, which family businesses are, then we have to have some tools which will help us make sure that each of us does our job well, not micromanaging, but we work together. And the third thing is that they're willing to work through conflict at the small level. When I have goodwill in place, then all of these other things become very manageable. They actually time-wise can be done quite quickly because once I have answers to three questions, how we do it is easy. So I have to always start with the owners. Do you really want the integrity of this business to continue? And I want a yes or a no. Not a maybe, we'll see, well, it all depends. I just want, is this the fire in your belly? 
You want the business to continue. So when you sit down with these people and you're now, and you know there's the personal part, and you know someone's going to cry and someone's going to squawk and someone's going to this, you finally say, Jolene, you say to them, I want you to answer these three mm -hmm. questions yep. about your professional enterprise, about your entity, your farm, your operation, your fertilizer plant, whatever. Yep. Answer these three questions. And they are. Well, I have to start to the business owners. Please know it's not everybody at the table. I have to go to the people with the power. Yes, the, 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 business, the business owners, correct. You want the integrity of the business to continue, a yes or no. And if they say yes, I hold their feet to the fire for everything else we're going to do. Second, when are you going to transition? Not just the labor. We'll do that, especially when it comes to technology, but management, leadership, and ownership. When are you going to transition? And the third is with whom? Who is vetted to manage, lead, and own? And then we have to deal with this fair and equal issue, earn sweat, equity, in-laws and outlaws. So there's a lot of things that people use as excuses for not doing the work. But once they answer those three questions, how we do it actually becomes quite easy because there's good advisors to help you. Yeah, that's what's interesting to me is we both said we've seen this again and again. Everyone listening to this podcast that has been in a, in a rural agricultural business owning Anybody that's had their eyes open knows that this is not just a one-time thing. This happens repeatedly. You've got stories about, I've got stories about these people that have amassed millions of dollars of uh, net worth and still there's this, and, and it's almost like they take pride in their, in their, shall we say, disagreementness. <laughs> like, well, we can't get dad to change his mind. Like, what is it, dad? You, what is it you think you're doing? You think you're, you think you're proving that you're tough because you're going to not actually set this in, in the right place? You know what I mean? Why is it that, why is it that this person is so uh, much an uh, obstacle to it? What's the reason? Well, a lot of it is the fear part of having to make a decision and being held accountable for the decision made. So the bottom line is here, not only do we make decisions, it's the communication about the decision that's really important. And this is where you sit at the kitchen tables and you go through what does a buy-sell agreement look like? Why is there even one? You know, Or I, I always have to remind the asset owners, please don't ruin your children and grandchildren's life with too much money. And as a dryland wheat farmer from North Dakota who became a multimillionaire with 17 wells on his land, said to me, well, if I don't give it to my kids, who do I give it to? And I said, gosh darn it, look around. You need a school here, you need urgent care here, you need, and right now your kids are dropping on your desk a bill to buy a snowmobile. Pay for it, dad, I'm going on vacation, pay for it, dad. And I said, are you paying for it? He said, well, not anymore, because I just talked to you. Mm -hmm. And so it's the fear of what are our options, what is realistic, but we also have this, we want to continue to be family. And my whole purpose, Damien, is to increase, increase their productivity, their profitability, their peace of mind, so they can sit together happily at the holiday table. Now, I have had so many phone calls between Thanksgiving and this New Year's of, do I really have to go to my in-laws for Christmas? Or we can't even go to each other's house for Christmas? Or what are we going to do about this? And the bottom line is, it's the people again that cause the most joy, the most pain. And that's because you didn't take care of the business side when the times are good. Yeah, and you know, uh, this brings us into the legal aspect of this. My mother uh, was not a business-minded person. Uh, she was a hard worker. Uh, she uh, taught her kids responsibility, but was not business-minded. And, and almost prided herself, as these people we discussed, on being obstinate. If you said that sky out there is blue, it was not going to be blue. And 
you wanted to say, what is it you think you have proven here? And so I had to be, as the youngest of the nine kids, and perhaps one of the more business savvy of the nine kids with an agricultural economics degree who also owned a farm, I got more involved and said, we've got to make sure this is managed. And we set up a, a life estate, and there's a, a few things that were done with the proper legal channels. So it was still probably a little bristly. This all just happened, by the way, the reason I'm sharing with this, you listeners here on the Business of Agriculture podcast, this just happened in February. My mom died in uh, summer of a year and a half ago and just died in, Feb in February. We worked out all of the deals and there was still some bad blood, but in general, at least most of this was all set up. From a legal standpoint, what do you see people do wrong? What do they, what's the worst thing they do, Jolene? They let perfect be the enemy of really good. They will agree to certain things. Oh, but what if this would happen? Or we're not ready for this. And I will have them go all the way through the attorney where we have operations separate from land, where we have, they've worked out trust with their attorneys. They've taken care of estate tax. They uh, have a buy-sell agreement, but they never go in and sign the documents. They will never do the last step because what if something changes or what if there's a mistake or what if there's a tax law? Yeah, you're saying that, that they actually, eventually yeah. they do go through a bunch of the setup. Yeah but yep. then they don't actually take it to the next level and complete it. Yeah, and remember, if things are not in writing, things do not exist. Yeah, but again, a conversation is not a contract. By the way, that might be the best, the best quip so far in the Board <laughs> of Agriculture podcast that I've been doing now. Um, okay. That's point number four in my top 10 mistakes that break up a family business, by the way. Should, okay, we will go through your top 10. Is there anything else on legal we need to cover? No, we're not going through the top 10 today because we don't have time. We don't have uh, time for that. Legally, I just want you to know, you really need good advisors. And sometimes they're not the ones who helped grandpa develop his will. And sometimes they are. You have to be willing to talk to good people to find out who they're used as their advisors. Why does it work? And then you go to interview them. And there's questions you ask them to make sure you've got the right advisors. The bottom line here is they have to work for you in synergy with the attorney, with the family business consultant, and then independently, you've got to have a financial planner so you know where you actually stand. Can you even transition something? Do you have enough to live on for the lifestyle living you deserve? And then you turn around and you divide this into an entity and you expect the two in the farming to still pay for three other people, not on the farm because you made them owners. And the challenge here is that when the two of you farmed, you were just eking out a living for yourself. And all of a sudden, now you're expecting the two on the farm to pay three more not on the farm, and five family units are supposed to get money from this. We've right. got to get very, very real. I don't mince words, Damien. As I said, I don't mediate, I dictate, I hold their feet to the fire. There's one thing that uh, I, I have here on our list of things to go through. They need somebody like you. <laughs> I know people who, Jolene, are... Like I said, successful. They they've worked hard. They have a certain amount of assets. They own farmland, but they are still beholden to ridiculous, inaccurate beliefs, fallacies, hearsay, rumors. I, I I still find it remarkable that you could own a couple million dollars of assets and think that your best advice is going to be something you overheard at the coffee shop. Somebody told you about somebody that happened over somewhere in Nebraska. And you're like, what the hell? Who, who, no, that's not the case. Well, they died and then this happened. As you said, 
one thing that I did, I was on the seek out the attorney role for my mom and it was a certain number of years ago and it wasn't oh, old Joe that the family's always known or it wasn't, hey, old Bob that I, I know he did something for yeah. grandpa. I found the entity that does almost exclusively, almost all they do is legal work for farm operations and had an interview with them just like you said. What else do you see? Well, my whole big thing here is, is that if you want to honor the family, you've got to do the business right. Because if not, at the end of the day, you lose both family and business. And I will tell you that 98% or more of every phone call, email, contact transition that I have comes from people operating as a family first. Let's not rock the boat. We don't want to make dead mad. I think there's a will. Oh, we'll just all get along. Oh, I hope we can continue to farm. And they're operating on a hope and assumption and tradition. And sometimes that works. I call it luck. Mm -hmm. But if you operate as business first family, which are the tools I teach, it does not demean the family. It does not say the business is more important than the family. But what it says is we love and honor you, this family, so much. We better get the business right. Yeah, and so we're all that, about getting the business done. That part, I want our listeners here, please take this because that is the best. Uh, that's the best advice, seriously. <laughs> This idea that, and you'll have it. I just, I've been through it. Well, all they care about is money. Blah, blah, blah. And I, I tell you, how about if, to, to, to alleviate that and prevent it from ever happening, let's make it, well, you're saying the business and the farm and the family is more important than the kids. No, no, no. I'm saying that if you want to pretend that all these people won't be fighting with pitchforks in the dairy barn, as you pointed out, if you want to pretend they won't, you're lying to yourself you're kidding yourself because that's what happens you should set up the business and the legalities and the professional management and all of these arrangements it's almost like i say about a prenuptial agreement well you're just going ahead and saying that i'm going to get divorced no i'm saying that you had a million dollars that you came into this thing with and the spouse had zero and some credit card debt we're going to pretend that over the next 50 years, nothing's going to change. I think it's smart to set up a professional so thereby the personal always can thrive. Mm -hmm. When I walk into a family, after we've met, I first of all have them stand up and take a chair, a different chair. And now they're worried because the daughter-in-law and dad's chair. And they've been trying to keep her from owning anything. How are we going to put her in the chair? But then we play dead. I make dad put his head down. And I'll turn to mom, what just happened? What are you going to do? And she usually says, well, we got to bury him. And then she'll go, oh, man, we're getting close to planting season. I don't know if things are ready. I'll ask the kids. The kids will know. And so I asked the son at the table. I said, so what just happened? What are you going to do? And the son became very quiet. And he said to me, well, I'm trying to figure out how to sell the farm. Of course, dad pops up. <laughs> he said, you're not selling the farm. I said, dad, you're dead. Put your head down. Uh -huh. I said, so why are you selling the farm? Well, my parents have it divided equally amongst all of us kids. There's no way I can come up with two-thirds of the appraised cash value. I'm going to have to sell the farm. And then I turned to the daughter-in-law, and I said, what just happened? What are you going to do? And she was as white as a ghost. She said, Jolene, not only have we lost our only source of income, we've lost the house in which we live because the farm owns the house. And then I said to Dad, you can come to life now. And he said, do I have to? And I said, yes, because we have some work to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a real valuable role-playing thing. And I know that people say, oh, that's silly. Well, go through it in your own situation. Well, then have the, kids, have the kids die. I just was with an association talking to the board, and one of the board members had transitioned assets to the next generation, and two of the next generation pulled out the driveway and were hit by a semi and killed. And so there is no order of death, 
but there is work we need to do while the times are good to ensure if you tell me you want the integrity of the business to continue, when you're going to transition it and with whom, we can get a whole lot done. Yeah. And that exercise right there that you just went through, everybody listening to this podcast should do that in their own scenario. Okay. Take any one of the people that you're involved with in your, where you work in your family operation and say, okay, now she's dead. What changes? Now he's dead. What changes? And by the way, and this, uh, we're going to get things wrapped up here. I had Jolene on, and by the way, this is Jolene Brown, speaker, family business consultant from East Central Iowa, and she's amazing. You can find her on her website, JoleneBrown.com. She tells me she only takes a certain number of consultations per year because it is emotionally exhausting. Imagine well, if you will. The real reason is people aren't ready for me. You know, the email, if you look at my Facebook post today, it's an older fella saying, when do I have to start this stuff? I said, what stuff? He said, you know, the will and selling the farm. Well, he's had two heart attacks already. Uh -huh. so, yeah. So I years ago. The answer is 20 years ago. Yeah. So the thing is, you got to be ready to do this stuff because when I come, I don't come for show. We got to make sure. And if I need the attorney and the accountant there, you have had to have given me permission to talk to them or I don't come. Now, do I visit with a lot of people on the phone and steer them another direction? You bet, because I consult in all 50 of our states in seven countries by Skype and FaceTime as well. And the thing is, the problems are the same, regardless of your net worth, regardless of your location. Family business is one of the very best things you can have or one of the worst things. You've got to do it right. <clears throat> My other reason for having this dialogue here on this particular podcast, and Jolene knows this, but I'm sharing it with you now, the listener, for the first time. I told you uh, the experience I had with my mother and the legal issues there. My brother, who was a farmer, just died this week. Uh, we knew it was coming. It was 15 months of pancreatic cancer. And, and normally, as you know, it's about a three to four month death sentence, but he's a tough old farm guy like uh, everybody probably knows and has somebody in their family just like that. And I asked him because he and I are close and I'm the farm guy and he's a farm guy and I helped him handle a lot of stuff. I immediately, you just said, Jolene, that role play, we went through that with him. I said, okay, now what do we have to do? Well, we need to liquidate your livestock. We need to liquidate your machinery. We need to look at all the tax implications of doing so. We need to look at how we can sort of mitigate that. We also need to figure out what's going to happen with your real estate. So you're going to keep the real estate because that's going to be what your wife lives on. That means we need to get an operator. So who would you like to have operate these acres and, and cash rent them? We went through a lot of stuff. And I said, now you've also got these monies coming in. So after the tax implications, what are we going to do about investing those? Okay, now let's talk about you've got two kids. So a lot of these things played out. And they were very fortunate and they said it. I'm not saying this about myself. They said we're very fortunate to have you because I was a bit of a miniature Jolene Brown in this regard. And I said, let's talk about what we're doing here. Let's talk about what we're doing here. And it's, ex it's very difficult. It's very emotional. It's very, it's very hard, but it has to be done. You are business owners. You are looking at, you know, a lot of money. You're looking at a lot of heartache and you're looking at possibly if you don't do some of these things right, your siblings and your offspring are never going to talk if you don't do it right. And I think that's what we're really up against. And Damien, don't forget, it's also one of the biggest joys. Families in business can be one of the best things in the world when it's done right. And as I posted on your Facebook when you shared the obituary of your brother, you know, that brotherhood of farming is pretty special, especially when you grew up on the farm together and you've had each other's back, but you've also caused trouble together but you've also celebrated together. 
And you see firsthand, Damien, that when you truly love someone, you've also got to do the business because it will relieve their stress and worry. It lets people grieve as they should and not be left in a mess. And I thank you and I for doing that with your brother. And you certainly have my heart because I know that brotherhood is tight. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And I think that's the best way we can wrap this up. Did you just hear what Jillian's last statement was? There's nothing richer than the brotherhood, the family aspect of being in a, in a business together. You have such memories, such camaraderie, such, such richness. When you sit down and drink a beer at the end of a hard working day in July and you sort of mm -hmm. reminisce about what happened. Oh, remember this? There's richness there. But if you don't handle the business side of it, that richness becomes resentment yes. or becomes the next generation uh, at odds with each other. And you really should do what you can to prevent that. So, Damien. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts from Jolene Brown. I'll make it short. If you love and honor that family of yours, please do the business right. Get this done when the times are good so we don't have fighting on the way to the funeral home and generations of people never speaking to each other again. There's nothing better than being a part of a good family business. This has been the Business of Agriculture podcast. I love it when you join us because you take something away from this that you can use. And I think you have probably a page or 10 of notes if you were listening to Jolene Brown. Thank you for being my guest. Join me again. Jolene, thanks a lot. You're welcome. Goodbye.